0: Welcome to Ann Spark CEO podcast, conversations on economic opportunity. My name is Paul Kretko, and I'm the president and CEO of Ann Spark. Welcome to a series of conversations with key leaders from those sectors. Joining me today is Patty Glaza. Patty has been with Invest Detroit since 2014, bringing with her an impressive three decades of tech sector experience. At Invest Detroit, she focuses on the development of early stage and high growth companies, providing them with both guidance and investment capital. She's also been actively involved in initiatives to ensure that women and minority entrepreneurs receive the mentorship they need. Before her role at Invest Detroit, Patty managed the Michigan office for Arsenal Venture Partners and began her professional journey at Accenture, overseeing teams of Fortune 500 companies. She later ventured into startups, taking executive roles in healthcare IT, nanotechnology, and environmental tech sectors. On the board side, you know we're really pleased that Patty has joined the Ann Arbor Spark Board, but she's also on the Michigan Venture Capital Association, Tech Town Detroit, and University of Michigan Innovation Partnerships Board. Thanks for taking time out today, Patty. Uh, it's a busy time of the year and, and we really appreciate you doing this. So given your yeah, oh, thank you. Given your extensive <laughs> background in the tech sector, um, how have you seen the startup ecosystem? And we'll focus on Ann Arbor first, in Ann Arbor evolve over the years that you've been involved in this field.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. Um, And not to date myself, but I wrote the first business plan for the Ann Arbor IT Zone back in 1999, which is an organization that I believe later merged with Spark. So I was working as an intern analyst for Avalon Investments, which was one of the few venture firms in the city at the time, so a few evolutions do stand out to me um, from over the past 25 years. You know, the sheer density of startups in the city now is just incredible. You can't walk to any coffee shop without bumping into three or four entrepreneurs or investors. And I believe this is a function of the support that they're getting in the ecosystem and the increased availability of capital to early stage companies. You know, Spark and the University of Michigan have been instrumental in providing mentorship, technical assistance, formation capital to entrepreneurs, and having programs that help founders navigate company formation has led to so many new enterprises here in the region. Um, We now even have the Michigan Founders Fund, an initiative launched by Doug Song for founders to support founders. And we have enough founders for this type of organization to thrive. You know, I think the experience level of the venture funds in the city have also matured significantly, providing a real valuable asset to the community from investors like Jan Garfunkel at Arboretum, who served as the chair to the National Venture Capital Association. We've got folks like Jim Attucks at Venture Investors, who I believe um, was an intern um, back in the the mid-90s. Uh, we got Sonali at Augment Ventures, Josh Beebe at MK Capital. There's so many folks, right? All longtime players in the city that have contributed their time to helping entrepreneurs here. Mm-hmm. And I sh- I don't think we would be remiss to, or we shouldn't leave out the, you know, having a private fund to fund. Rosson Venture Capital Fund has been actively investing in Michigan-based funds, which really helps, again, add to the capital here. So- 20, 25 years ago, practically everyone was new to the game, uh, founders, investors, both. Um, now we have entrepreneurs that are on their second or third companies, investors on their fourth, fifth, sixth funds. Um, we aren't having to recreate the wheel. And then that support infrastructure that I was talking about—you um, know, the things, the programs that Spark offers, and the University of Michigan programs to their students and professors—it's really created uh, quite a different experience, I think, to be a founder today.
0: Yeah, it speaks to—I mean, the we've we've done a we've done a podcast with her, but I've had done a lot of sort of conversations with her. And I'm speaking about Mary Sue Coleman when when she had the idea to create us, it was, can, can, why doesn't the area around Ann Arbor look like what you would find around Stanford? And I think where we are some 20 years later is we can speak to that we, we have evolved to, to that degree, that, that the entrepreneurial community is is palpable. And that's what you described. You, you can see physically see it in addition to all the work we've done. Well, so I guess, you know, that you talked about where we've been and where we've come. I guess uh, maybe you could share your viewpoint on some of the unique challenges and opportunities that come with uh, the work to support early stage, high growth companies in Southeast Michigan.
1: Yeah, this, I think most people would agree is one of our biggest challenges is still talent. We have no shortage of amazing inventors, but we don't yet have that deep bench of operational talent that our founders need. It's improving, but we aren't like the Bay Area where you can sneeze and hit a highly experienced startup CXO of marketing, sales, revenue, operations, finance, et cetera. It just often takes too much time, money, and misses to find the right people for our companies. I would also throw out that I don't think our ecosystem here helps founders fail fast enough. We will let entrepreneurs spend years scraping by, you know, in hopes of salvaging um, a minor win. I would like to see more programs aimed at helping entrepreneurs realize when is it time to stop, reboot, and work on the next idea. So I think we we have more of a conservative nature here in the region and thinking about, hey, Fail fast and let's move on and, and find the next thing. Um, I think we it, it would improve the the culture here a bit.
0: I, I um, think the, the, I think that's a good point. Yeah, I guess I guess what I would say is is that it also depends upon the technology. I mean, one of the things that we've experienced is in the life sciences, the 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 time to get to where you need to get to is longer, and and for us having the patients with therapeutics or 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 uh in that in that area but i agree with you and other technologies failing fast and moving on is probably a very appropriate thing we need to be we need to be considering yeah hey so well i think you, think you
1: raise a you raise a great point though we do we do have a unique capacity here i think in the region in the fact that we do have more patient capital for early stage. And whether it's deep tech, life science, or even just the time it takes for our startups to hit that scaling phase. Yeah. Um, but I do agree with you. Having that patient capital is, is essential.
0: So I think we're, the point you're making, though, is that given the expertise that we have in terms of mentoring and helping companies do that assessment, um, helping them see the reality of their situation sooner um you know is helpful but you know like like one of my staff members always talks to me about well we don't want to you know step on people's dreams you know that's you know but, but it's, a hard, <laughs> yeah. it's a hard it's a hard it's a hard row so let's change gears a little because you know, there have been many things that you've been involved in uh and and maybe speak a little bit about some of the notable notable achievements. Uh, or innovations from some of the startups you work on. And the ones I have on my list are Denon, Denonima, uh, Michael MicroLamb, and, and Ripple Sciences. So talk about a little bit what some of those successes have been.
1: Yeah. So, one failure I've never been able to get Genomanon to change their name because it yeah. really is hard for us I'll do it up. So first, I do want to note that all three of those companies are university spin out. So Jananan and Ripple come from the University of Michigan and Biker Lamb from uh, Western Michigan uh, University. So I think it is important to know how important the universities are to our um, entrepreneurial ecosystem in, in the state. Um, and it has I, I want to say it's been an honor working with each of these companies pretty much since the, the beginning and no road is, and why all of these companies are thriving right now? No road is smooth and and easy going, right? They've all dealt with some some ups and downs, um, but the passion and commitment that each of these teams have have had and shown um, has has really been inspiring to me. So when I think about some of the the, the key highlights, you know, Genomenon right now um, has been you know, growing fast, they acquired a company in in Bosnia, they're racing to curate the whole genome to help clinicians diagnose their patients faster and help pharma deliver precision medicine to treat patients. And that ability to integrate AI and think about all the research that's being done in the world today, their system is cataloging that research and using AI to deliver that value back to the the community of of folks that are trying trying to help folks. So that that team has just um, has completely taken off. MicroLam, um, you know, it's an advanced manufacturing tooling and production company now. They've acquired two companies. Um, one. Um, Uh, globally and one in in the UK and one in uh, New Hampshire. So they've truly become a a global company. And right now they're actually supplying some of the world's largest communication companies um, with critical equipment. So you think about their, their clientele, largest communications companies, defense companies, Um, you know, thinking about our cell phones and the next generation of equipment. They're just, um, its a a great team led by a phenomenal founder who is one of the few founders that actually has survived from, you know, a postdoc at, uh, at Western, PhD candidate at Western Michigan to actually becoming um, a founder and then growing his company as, as far as he has. And that's, that's uh, a huge, huge success. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, Ripple, um, you know, has been a a great, great story. Uh, One of the professors at University of Michigan, Nestor uh, Lopez, being able to help researchers and clinical study teams improve patient attraction and, and retention. Clinical trials are so expensive these days. And being able to help um, attract and retain mm. patients um, to get through those trials are mm. saving um, tons of dollars in the, mm. in the clinical process.
0: Mm. Yeah, those, are, those are all great examples. So, which, in a, again, a little bit, you've been really involved in, in trying to ensure that women and minority entrepreneurs are getting the mentorship that they, they need. Can you talk a little bit about your efforts in that area and, and how that's going?
1: Yeah. So anyone knows me that I've knows that I've been a long time passionate supporter of equalizing the playing field for underrepresented founders. And I think this crosses a broad spectrum. We often think about gender and race, and now we're thinking about sexual orientation, religion, age, you know, our veterans, immigrant status, socioeconomic status. There are lots of things to look at, um, but the core is do people have access to capital? Do they know where it is? Are we trying to be active in the communities? And does my team reflect the communities Mm. that we're trying to provide access to? So, um, you know, I do, from 25 years ago, the entrepreneurial system has completely shifted, I think, in the region, we have so many more women and minorities and diverse founders Mm. of, of, of all kinds. And I think that's a, that's a huge success because I believe there are, you know, not just ID Ventures, but many of the early stage funds, including Spark, right, are thinking intentionally about um, about providing this access access to capital.
0: Yeah, um, one of the things that we 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 also kind of focused on uh, in our work is we want to work with early stage companies at the very beginning that they think about. Diversifying their workforce as well, because you talked about sort of how the ecosystem evolves, and and you have serial entrepreneurs or people that work in startups who then maybe at a, a junior level now they're moving into more of a senior level. And so what we've been trying to do is communicate that if if you think about diversifying your workforce when you're five employees you're going to have a diverse workforce when you're 100 or 150. So it's not only just the diversity in the founders themselves, but getting this philosophy that the diverse workforce is really important, not only just because it should, it's something we should all try to do, but because it makes you more competitive as a company later on in, in your life. Yeah, it's
1: the founders, it's a- employees, it's your boards, it's your investors, the more diversity you can apply to all of those groups, I think the the stronger companies will emerge at the end.
0: So we're, we're kind of closing out here. Um, so and you talked a little bit about this already. So um, how, how does Invest Detroit navigate sort of the balance between investment returns that allow you to keep doing what you're doing and long-term sustainable economic development for for the Detroit region. How, how do you how do you strike that balance?
1: All right, so that's a great question, and I'll let you know how well we are doing in about ten years. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, this is it's really hard. Um, you know, we none of us have unlimited funds. Our returns do help fuel future investments. You know, that's why we would love to fund every entrepreneur with a great idea. We're forced to be mindful of that portfolio balance. And, you know, there is no sure bet, though. You know, if someone had told me that an inspection drone company or a bar line skipping um, application would be two hot flyers in our portfolio seven couple years ago, I probably would have laughed. So, you know, we're always constantly having to evaluate our deals based on team experience, disruptive nature, long-term capital, market risks, But we also do really make sure that we're thinking about founder inclusivity, industry, diversification, and talent development, because they're all a part of what makes this and makes what Michigan special. And so you do have to invest in founders knowing that they may not succeed the first time, um, but what are you delivering to the ecosystem long term? But it's a constant shuffling, a constant evaluation of the the companies we're invested in. Where do we put our next dollar? Um, we struggle with it every day. I just hope um, in the long run that 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 balance um, is achieved.
0: Yeah. So last question is really about you know our work uh, together recently. Um, Spark and Invest Detroit, along with some other. Organizations in the state have begun to partner in a collaborative effort to encourage the state of Michigan to do more to support high-tech entrepreneurial startups, both through early funding and programming. I, maybe I want you to talk about how you see the competitive landscape. And you know, we we've all taken a good look um, to the southeast. Um, we we may we may be defeating them in football, but we certainly aren't defeating them in investment in early stage company. So tell me what, what, you know, what about, you know, I know about it, but let you share what, why you think a collaborative effort is important and also what we, what we would hope to accomplish in, in communicating to the MEDC about the importance of this part of the economic development portfolio.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so first I just want to say how thankful I am for the partnership um, with this coalition, so Spar, University of Michigan, Michigan State, Western, just the folks pulling together to say, "Hey, there's a problem, and how do we work together to try to solve it?" So, unfortunately, the state of Michigan has woefully underinvested in entrepreneurship, which has put the state in a severe disadvantage—not um, just you know at regionally, but nationally. But we look regionally, and we've got Ohio, Illinois, Minnesota, uh, really kind of kicking our behind. You know, the entrepreneurship and innovation budget at the MEDC has been shrinking or flat almost every year for the for the past decade. So while Ohio is investing close to $100 million per year in the state startup funds, um, the state of Michigan only invested $55 million in the past 12 years. So you think about that disparity and the amount of founders and that culture of, hey, we can, you know, we can get capital, we can work on our idea, we fail, there's another opportunity, right? But there's enough capital for companies to grow. Our entrepreneurs here are struggling to get to a series A. They have, you know, that first check might come fast, but then they're really having to fight to get that next couple million million dollars. So, you know, we've got to really look hard at how we compete against the regions or or the states around us. You know, I think the recently announced Michigan Innovation Capital Fund, which is a 23 million infusion of capital is certainly a start. And I think we um, both are benefiting from that program for our entrepreneurs that, that we're funding, but it doesn't address the major needs of the entrepreneurial community. And I think where our partnership Um, is really focused on is thinking about the long-term capital needs of our state's uh, founders. So being able to advocate together for what we're calling the Evergreen Fund of funds that helps our, you know, our nonprofit institutional organizations get to sustainability, right? Meaning that the capital from our returns fully drives our ability to fund new early stage companies in the future and this is in the pipe dream there have been plenty of states that have been able to create these revolving funds and being able to have a diverse couple of funds being able to be that um, those institutional stalwarts for the ecosystem um, is a is a phenomenal long-term investment in the state's innovation future
0: yeah i think that you know there's an adage that that is applied in a lot of different ways but i think we're, we're stronger together i think that um by by us um communicating both to the to the administration and to the legislature a collective viewpoint about this um is important because if when you when you do things individually a lot of times um you don't have that that sort of strength in your in your argument i guess um and the, you know the other thing that that's important about it is we try to communicate to People who are making decisions about making investments at the state level is that um, you know I, I go back to um, my predecessor. Uh, something that Mike Finney used to always say was that you know economic gardening is really important. You know, there's there's the two schools. There's big game hunting and there's gardening. The the point I guess I would make, and I think you would agree with this, is we have a very vibrant garden. But if the harvesting of the garden is done by people who don't live in our patch, let's put it that way, um, yep. we've helped a lot of companies grow, grow or potentially brought products and services to market that that help, helped, you know, the, the humanity, if you want to put it that way. But the, the benefit of new jobs and, and bettering families' life by growing companies to scale doesn't happen here. Then we've we've really missed that that important opportunity because I think, at least for us at Spark, and I think it's the case with Invest Detroit, um, we, we we're we're about growing companies so that so that it has both benefits that the company uh, is successful, but that it brings economic prosperity to the region, right? And so um, I just want to thank you for all the work that you've done over the years because you're right the the ecosystem has really evolved and, and we are, we are, in this is not a half empty glass situation. We are in a very positive situation in terms of what's happening, but you're right. We, we need, we need some more fuel to, to help, um, move this along. So really Patty, thank you for talking with us today. Um, really appreciate it. Um, and and look forward to talking again sometime in the future on a check-in. Hopefully, we'll 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 have some things to talk about in the future as well.
1: Yeah, thank you, Paul. Great talking to you today.
0: Good. Okay. So, now I want to thank our audience also for listening and learning more about those leaders and organizations working hard to create the Ann Arbor region's economic future. These conversations are brought to you by Ann Arbor Spark. For more information about Ann Arbor Spark, you can find us on the web at annarborusa.org also on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I guess, Patty, do you wanna give a little uh, connection to Invest Detroit that we can add to this, Uh, how people can talk contact you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So please, um, if you'd like to reach out to ID Ventures, the venture arm of Invest Detroit, please go to IDVentures.com. We have a contact us form. Um, You are always able to reach out to me directly. Uh, patty at Um, But thank you for being an incredible ecosystem and um, hopefully we can serve you in the future.
0: Great. Well, I wanted to give you that opportunity because we always tell people how to contact us, but hey, we should also do that for you. So anyway, that's it for today. Thanks for, for listening uh, and hope you will uh, tune into this podcast and future ones.